I want people to know that you're welcome here. And I want you to know you can be just as successful and don't put the fact that you're a woman or young or whatever it is as a limitation on yourself to start what you want to do. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Calling all women who love their ride. I would like to introduce you to a one-of-a-kind women's motor fest. You will not want to miss this sisterhood celebration of women-owned whips, cars, trucks, motorcycles, ATVs. If it has a motor, it belongs. Ladies, this is our motor fest. Boys are welcome to attend but the spotlight will be owned by the women in their whips. Check out all the details by visiting womensmotorfest.com. Sarah Morrison is in the driver's seat today. Sarah is a volunteer worker and an award-winning businesswoman. She is the president of Baja Forged and the vice president of LGE CTS Motorsports. When she was 16 years old, her and her sister launched a website called CustomTruckShop.com, and it took off, further advancing her interest in the aftermarket world. And in 2017, she won SEMA Businesswomen Network Woman of the Year. And in 2021, Sarah went on to win the prestigious award presented by SEMA called Person of the Year. Listen to this story as Sarah shares how she hustles to get to the top. Now sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Sarah Morrison in the hot seat or driver's seat today. How are you doing today, Sarah? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on today. Oh, are you kidding me? It is my absolute honor, sister. I had the blessing of hanging out with you and your sister last year at Seaman. Can you believe it's right around the corner already? <laughs> I know. I feel like we were just there <laughs> and I'm already like, what? <laughs> Seriously, like I blinked. I'm like, holy mackerel, it's right around the corner. When did this happen? <laughs> but yes, I had so much fun hanging out with you and your sister and both of you being gracious enough. After that experience, Sarah, I had interviewed Teresa. I got to know Teresa and she talked about you during the interview. You're in the same business, in the same industry, but yet you're in two different areas of specialization in your zone of genius. Both of your zone of geniuses are in different spaces and it's way cool. And until you get to know both of you, it's like, I don't know, it was a mind blow for me (laughs) and how much you can be alike and yet how different. Yeah. And your siblings, right? Right. I mean, I know this. I have two kiddos. My brother and I are very different, but it was just really neat to get to know Teresa and then get to know you Yeah, and then meet some of your family as well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, my family is always very involved. And honestly, like with my sister, I think it is a lot of people going, oh, yeah, like I know your sister. And they think that we're pretty much like identical. We're like the same person. And like, truthfully, we're like the furthest from (laughs) anything like each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's cool. It was fascinating to start to observe both of your zones of geniuses and how they complement each other and how ultimately it helps your company be the success that it is. And those types of things, I'm so intrigued by the psychology and the basic mindset and practices around successful business. (laughs) We'll get into a lot of that. But before we get into there, you've had a lot of articles written on you, sister. You won person of the year last year. I had the opportunity of watching that interview when you were on the SEMA main stage. And those aspects are pretty well documented. I'm going to provide links where people can dig in and get to know you even better for those aspects. But the secret sauce around Femcanic Garage is getting to know Sarah. Those pieces out there and getting to know Sarah and ultimately for women to realize and connect that we're all more alike than we are different. Right. Through successes, we all have challenges. But with the era of social media and everything that we have, it's easy to beat ourselves up because what we end up seeing oftentimes is the end result, right? We see your article in the SEMA magazine in Person of the Year, and it's like, wow. But what they don't see is the true journey of getting there mm-hmm. and the getting up when sometimes you don't want to get up when you get knocked down. Do you know what I mean? And That's the power and inspiration around all of this. I want to ask, did you always know you were going to be in this industry? And I don't want to be presumptuous and skip that question because I know a little bit about your history and that you grew up in this industry with your parents. But I'm still going to ask it anyway, because just because someone grew up in the industry or around the industry doesn't mean they always thought they would be in it. Did you always think you would be in this industry? Yeah, I did because... I mean, I always worked, well, I shouldn't say in the aftermarket side of it. I did know I wanted to be in automotive, but I actually thought I wanted to be on the body shop side because that's what my parents owned was a body shop. When I started getting more into the aftermarket, that's probably where I started to thrive more and understood it a lot better. I was more passionate about that instead of working with like insurance companies every day. So I always knew I was going to be in automotive. I just didn't know exactly that this was my journey or my path for sure. And just for those, because I have some listeners that aren't necessarily eyeball deep in the industry, right? If you are in a very simple explanation, when you say aftermarket, what do you mean exactly by that? Yeah. So in automotive, there's lots of different segments. Um, When we say the aftermarket side, that's all the product that doesn't come on the OE basically. So Anything that is made and manufactured afterwards to accessorize your vehicle, whether it's suspension or bed lids from wheels and tires, anything like that is your aftermarket side. Yeah. And OE, just for those listeners, original equipment. So think of when your car literally comes out of the dealership, what is on it. Yeah. But even then, some dealers are even adding some aftermarket stuff now options, aren't they? Well, yeah. And I mean, like... When I first started my shop, well, we still do. We still outfit dealership vehicles as well. It's like the restyling side. And a lot of OEs now saw the potential in the aftermarket because so many people wanted to customize their vehicles. So a lot of the OEs like Ford, Toyota, and Jeep, they all have aftermarket sides now. So your Ford Performance side and Toyota has TRD. So those all are all companies that OEs work with aftermarket companies to provide that. Well, let's back up. You and Teresa are in business together. Yeah. And not everyone can do that. What is it like 
being in a business with your sister, like as a sibling, not specific to Teresa, but just as a family and siblings? Um, It's definitely hard to be in a family business. It's not only just me and my sister. I mean, beforehand, it was my mom and dad, and then me and my brother-in-law, and then my sister, and then my parents retired. And so it was me, my sister, and my brother-in-law. So we actually don't really talk about Jason too much, but Jason's still in everyday operations <laughs> and helps out at the shop. And Jason is... Oh, sorry. Jason is Teresa's husband. Yes. I'm following you, but yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. So he actually started working for our family business before me and Teresa did. Wow. Yeah. When did you start actually working? So I started working at my parents' company when I was 13, just helping like answer phones and filing. And of course, like doing homework at work and... When I was 15, I actually started getting a paycheck. So sometimes I say like, okay, 15, I started getting an actual paycheck and had more responsibilities. But at 16 is when I started customtruckshop.com. And that's when I started selling aftermarket accessories on the side because my dad was already building SEMA vehicles. A lot of the people would trade him product versus pay him because we didn't have large budgets or anything. And I told my dad, oh, I could sell those online. So I just started... On weekends, going to car shows, swap meets, whatever, selling product, started the website. So that's kind of how I got started on the aftermarket side. Hustling. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, that's hustling. So did you build the website yourself, your first one? My sister helped me with starting that kind of stuff because that's what she was actually going to school for was like graphic design. And that was more of her major. She was a machinist at that point. She didn't work for the company, but she helped me with all of that. And then I just put all the product on there and then answered all the phone calls and the emails and that kind of stuff. But she helped me with the initial design and setup of it. Nice. What was next for Sarah in this journey then? It was funny because actually in uh, 98, right when I graduated, I was like, I'm going to go get a real job. And I went to go work for one of my dad's competitors, which is a body shop down the street. How did that go over at dinner time? <laughs> I met your dad. He's a competitor. He goes after things. Like I mad respect for him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there in my head, like after meeting him and playing some spades with him yeah. and having some friendly competition with him. I'm like, I wonder what that dinner conversation was like. <laughs> I just told him that I wanted to get more, you know, world experience, see what it was like working for other companies before I decided to go be an insurance agent. So I said, I wanted to see what other body shops were like and things like that. He thought that it was actually a good idea for me to have that experience. And the guy that I went to go work for, my dad was actually friends with him, even though they were competitors. And like I say, they were like friends that hung out, but they were very civil. And a lot of times they would work with each other on stuff. So I think he was pretty excited about me going over there, but I only lasted there like eight months, I think it was. And I was like, oh, I can't stand working for someone else. (laughs) Was that like the bug where it's like, yes, I'm meant to be an entrepreneur. I'm not meant to be a air quote employee. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the part where I was like, man, I'm doing all of this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love working with teams. So I do love working with other companies. That one was just more of a, I was like a secretary. It was very, I don't know, it wasn't exciting, right? Yeah. And then I was like, I could do this myself. So I just, I wrote a business plan up and I submitted it to my parents and I said, I just want to do the truck shop like full blown. And they said, okay. So I started just working out of one of their bays. Then in 2001, I opened my own brick and mortar store. Let me back up some there. Like this is your store. You lived and breathed it, right? And there's things that if I'm listening to it, there's a lot of like 
missing pieces in my head. First of all, I love pulling out these lessons. Your parents are amazing people, obviously, because, I mean, you and Teresa are the byproduct of that. But what I find so interesting around that is that you actually worked for two years with air quotes without being paid. You earned that, right? So they're teaching you the earning, not just giving you things, which I love as a parent in that message, right? And two, you created a business plan and submitted it to your folks. That's way cool. <laughs> like When you say you were working out of one of their bays, what do you mean by that? Were you actually doing the installation of products or? Yeah. So they gave me one of their, like a space in their office. It was probably like, actually like almost the size of what this is right here. (laughs) (laughs) Enough to put a chair. (laughs) Well, I had like a desk and then I had like product that was like on this little like shelving and I was still running the website and then we started doing installs and then I started going after dealerships about doing installs at dealerships. So I had one bay that was like a single car bay and we would like install grills or body kits, just different things, suspension, lowering kits, lowering kits were big back then. Suspension came a little bit. There was always these patterns. I'm a huge patterns person. I'm always watching to know the market and Anyways, um, <laughs> we were doing a lot of lowering kits then. So I bring them in, like I would do the install. Then I got to a point where I could hire an installer. But most of the time, like I was probably doing like 90% of the installs on every, at least for two years. So that evolved into getting your own brick and mortar. Were you close to your folks shop then or yeah, across town or? Yeah. So they owned the complex that their shop was in. Uh-huh. So I knew one of their tenants was going to be moving out. I had to prove some numbers to them, but asked if I could move into that location. So they said, yes, sat down in the, you know, in their bedroom one day and did the whole thing where they were sitting in their two chairs. And I was like, you know, they're very much about presenting their business people. So <laughs> went over my whole plan. Uh, they asked me how I was going to come up with the money to put product in the showroom and, you know, what I was going to do for that. So. Yeah, we went over all the numbers and they allowed me to have the building. They did give me rent free for like, I think it was like four months, like three or four months to get it all set up and going. Yeah. So I did that. And then I started calling a couple of warehouses that I purchased from and they sent me product out for like 90 days. And I was able to fill my show with product and then pay that as I sold it. And if I didn't sell it, I had to return it. And Kept kind of doing that program for a few years until I was able to build up my inventory. How old were you at this time? I was 21 when I opened the store. Sarah, do you know how out of the norm that is? I mean, I guess so, but... It seems normal to you because of who you're surrounded with, right? Yeah. That is not normal in such a great way. I hope, I hope my kiddos do something like that. I can't think of better skills and habits that put someone on the path to true wealth as that, what you just described. And I hope listeners pick up on that. That's where it all starts in building wealth and having like a millionaire mindset, like what you just described and you just keep building on it. Yeah. You know, it's no different than real estate. Start small and you keep trading up bigger and that's what you've done. Right. Like one of the big things too, like I've learned um, or I listen to things too, but one of the big things is my parents always like, how do you use other people's money to make money? And I couldn't 
go into debt trying to put product into my showroom. So I had to figure out a way to get product in there so I could actually make the sales. Yeah. The one advantage I think that my sister and I do have, yes, we are around my parents. My parents are very, very hard workers. They always have been, and they've never handed my sister and I anything. I mean, yes, we've had some great things, but even when we turned 16, my parents, they got us cars from, you know, junkyards and stuff, and we had to fix them up and restore them. And it made us respect the car and us take care of the car because we put all that time and effort into it. Yep. And then once we actually had the car, we had to pay for our own insurance and our own registration, our own gas and everything. And it's like, they could totally afford to pay that for us, but it wasn't a, you get to have this. It was about the lesson. Yeah. It was about the lessons and building values. Yeah. Ooh, I love it. And don't get me wrong. Like in high school, it was hard sometimes because a lot of my friends would always tell me like, oh, you're never around. You never hang out. You're always working. But to be honest, I've always loved working because I love meeting people. Yeah. When I go to the car shows and swap meets, I enjoy talking to all the people around me, the other vendors, always curious to ask people like how they got into business, why they got into business, why they do what they do. Love listening to like old men at the swap meet tell me their life stories. I always thought they were like super interesting. And <laughs> It is, man. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Oh my gosh. Well, it is because like you hear their ups and their downs and ups and downs and I'm not going to say that I never struggled and I still do to this day. We always have things that are constantly changing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people to hear that we all do have ups and downs, but like you just keep moving forward. You just keep trying. You are going to go through those things and the downsides that you go through, the struggles you go through, the parts where you actually learn the most, (laughs) that's where you probably get like the most knowledge and the most what to do. And that probably powers me even more than when things are good. You're just like, all right, they're good. I'm just going to keep doing it. But I don't know. I very much accept the good and the bad. I think through all of it. The biggest key is get back up. Yeah. Just keep getting back up. And sometimes that's the biggest challenge, right? I want to ask this question out of pure curiosity. Did you ever come to a point in your career where you were like, I'm not sure this time I can get back up or if I want to get back up from a career perspective where it's like, maybe my time here is up. Did you ever feel that way? Actually, yeah, like probably about a month ago, I was literally at the point where I was like, you know, I'm done. I can't do this. There was just a lot going on. And other than that, not really, but like, that was probably like my biggest thing. And like, I finally had to tell myself like, what am I doing? No, this is what I love. Like, you know, you're just going through some stuff right now. And it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, you did win all these awards. You are doing all these things. And I go, yeah, but then I'm doing all of that stuff now, but I was still going through a lot of challenges and a lot of changes. And I didn't know how to adapt to those changes. And I really forgot about a lot of my core stuff where I started from and how to like bring back myself to be like, okay, no, we had major changes the last couple of years, right? So there was things we had to deal with. I had health issues I dealt with a few years ago that I had to deal with. And I had to really think about where that sat for me professionally, you know, if that's what I wanted to continue to do or not do. And I really had to tell myself like, okay, stop talking like that. (laughs) Get back into it. You're fine. (laughs) And you're kind of alluding to it a little bit, Sarah, but like, 
in those moments when literally you're like just inches away of saying enough, I'm done. How do you pull yourself through it? You alluded a little bit to like self-talk. How do you do it? Because this isn't the first time in your life that you've probably ran into it. No. Challenges, right? Right. But it seems like, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> I'm watching my kids grow up. And then there's those challenges where they're so-and-so's not talking to me or, you know, this homework assignment is woo, you know, and I'm like watching them and it's like their world is melting down. And if I'm being honest, and maybe this makes me a jerk sometimes as a parent, but I'm like watching this and I'm like, there's a possibility you may never talk to them after these My daughter's a freshman. After you graduate, you may never see or talk to them again, but your whole world is melting down right now. So it's perspective, right? It is. And as we get older and, and our worlds grow and become more complex, I guess, how do you do it? Honestly, when you just said a month ago, I had a moment like that a month ago, it kind of surprised me, to be honest. Because here I am, like, literally had what reminded me to reach out to you again to get you on the podcast was you were literally on the cover of the SEMA magazine. I'm like, oh, I need to call Sarah. <laughs> you know, I need to get hold of Sarah and get her on the show. And here you are, person of the year at SEMA. You hold a significant position in SEMA, particularly with SBN and SEMA as a whole. And what you've done with your shops, I mean, all of it, right? So on the outside looking in, it's like, damn, she has it all figured out. You know what I mean? And to hear like just a month ago, after all of those accolades, all of those awards, all of those things, it's like, really? And I know better, but still this right here and your willingness to be vulnerable and share these things, Sarah, is exactly why I do this podcast because it's not only for all the other women, it's for myself too. Yeah. I think we all need to hear it and know that it's okay. Yeah. So truthfully, where I get a lot of it, I listen to a ton of podcasts about business people, people making money, millionaires, um, ways to keep myself positive. And it's like listening to a lot of the motivational people that are talking out there. They also talk about all their struggles, you know, like I had absolutely nothing. And I listen to what they're saying. And I'm like, yeah, everybody goes through that because it's life. We're human. And if we didn't go through those things, well, <laughs> that's just impossible. There's no such thing as people not going through ups and downs. It's, it's literally, like we said, like us getting back up constantly. And I think for me, a lot of the stuff I have to keep reminding myself from, or a lot of times too, even a lot of my friends that in the industry, we're talking to each other a lot of times and I have to keep reminding myself, like, this isn't about me. This is about the greater good or what I'm trying to accomplish. Or for me with like SBN, it's like, okay, SBN isn't about me. It's about all the women out there that I can either help touch or mentor or whatever we can do. And I feel like it's my duty as a woman in the industry to help bring these women together and make introductions because I'm not always going to be the person that's the best person for maybe you and me to connect that I could say, Oh my gosh, you know what? She'd be great with this person. They would totally connect and hit it off. And it's like, to me, those are the things that I probably love the most is being able to connect and be there for those people. What I do to make money is sell parts that anybody can do that. I think that 
my job in the industry is much more than that to me. It's like, I do this because I love it. I love being around the people I love. I love being around the, I don't know, I always say it's like my family, but I love being around these people. Yes, I can do something else and still be around them. But I also feel that I'm making the most impact when I have my flexible schedule on my own company. I get to sell products of my friends' companies and, you know, really help promote them too. So I have to try and like pull myself out of that focus on the positive, even if it's not something I've done before, I got to focus on my goal. So I do write down a lot of stuff everywhere. I always have little accolades everywhere. Like you got this shit might suck now, but it's not forever, you know, or <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> shit may suck yeah. now, but it's not going to last forever. I love it. Yeah. Hopefully that's a sign somewhere where you can easily see it somewhere. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I have vision boards. It was funny because my mom was like, had a vision board party one time. She's like, you need to come. And I'm like, oh gosh, like, <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, a vision board party? Yeah. I have an idea what that is, but what is your mom's version of a vision board party? So like, you know how people do vision boards, right? Right. So she just brought out like- Just for those who may have never done it, maybe never even heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them high level what a vision board is. So basically, it's just this board where you put all your goals and things that you want to accomplish, right? But when they're in front of you and they're visible and you put them out there in the world so that it can happen, right? And usually you'll divide it in like fours, like career, family, love, and like maybe some type of longer end goals or, you know, yeah. mine was like traveling because I love to travel. So yeah, I went to this vision and it was so funny because like my mom has like all these magazine things everywhere. You know, we all have like wine and drinks and, you know, it's fun and yeah. we're all just doing things <laughs> and everybody else has like their huge vision board and they have like stuff in there. Things I couldn't fit any more things on my board. I was like, do I turn it over and like... <laughs> How big was your board? Like ballpark? They're pretty big. Like, I mean, they're probably like the three by f two foot by three foot. Yeah. They're like the poster size boards. Okay. Like the foam yeah. board, like little thicker yeah. cardboard or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And she just invited some of her friends over and they yeah. all did this. Yeah. Wait, hold up. I need to get your mom on this show, Sarah. <laughs> I'm going to end up interviewing like all the females in your family. <laughs> the whole family. Oh my God. That's ingenious. So your mom comes to you. I just think that's a cool thing. I've actually done a vision board family craft night where it was me and the kids and we each had boards and we had magazines and stuff and we did it together. Nice. And they still have them in their room. All three of us have them in our rooms. And I think we may do it again soon. Yeah. Because that was like a couple years ago. Yeah. It's good to revisit it. So when your mom approached you and said, why don't you come do the vision board? Like how many women were there? Just out of curiosity. I think there was only like five or six of us. So there wasn't a lot, but. How fun. Yeah. I mean, one of my mom's friends that was there, she wrote a book called Love Heals. And so she writes a lot. Of, she's written, I think like two or three books about things. We have another lady that is really high up in real estate. My mom always makes sure she always has really great friends, but it's awesome to be around those people and just sit there. And as you're creating these boards, you're kind of talking about like why you have these things going on the boards. But besides the board, one of the things that in one of the podcasts I was listening to, the guy said that 
you should be doing your vision board or updating it like almost yearly. And you don't have to remove stuff or it doesn't have to completely change, but everything you've accomplished on that board, you need to now move it to a board that says accomplishment board, which reminds you of stuff that you accomplished. Because if it was on your vision board and you accomplished it, you now need to move it to an accomplishment board so that you remind yourself of the things that you have accomplished. And that was actually really cool. That's brilliant. When you are a type A or a high achiever, like you really push yourself, we have a tendency to look for the next thing and to keep looking forward, which is good because we don't dwell on our past a lot. We keep moving forward. But the one downside to that is we also have a tendency not to pause Mm -hmm. and celebrate and acknowledge our successes and wins. Right. Which is huge. So I totally, totally agree with you on that. It's funny because I'm not on like social media a ton. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you never post. And I actually stopped posting a lot because same thing, like you go on there and you start to see, oh my gosh, everybody else is doing so great and I'm not accomplishing this or that. And then I had to tell myself that person's accomplishments weren't my goals. So I need to stop trying to compare myself to them when that wasn't even my goal in the first place. I wasn't even trying to accomplish that. Yeah. So why, why am I getting so like jealous about it? And I shouldn't be. Yeah. But this year, so funny that you were saying like celebrating accomplishments this year, my mom was big on the fact that like after winning the award, she was like, no, we're going to have a party with the family to celebrate your guys's accomplishments because you never celebrate your guys's accomplishments. It's always like, yeah, we got a Ford Design Award. Cool. And then after that, it's like we go back from the SEMA show and we set that award on a table or in our lobby somewhere. And Can we pause a moment and maybe tell a little funny behind the scenes story on those poor trophies? Oh my gosh. Like, I, <laughs> may I kick it off and you fill in the blanks? Yeah. So here's some behind the scenes for all of you. I prefaced earlier how I, and I didn't even plan it this way. It just happened to be when I got the SEMA, I walk in, you know, air quotes, front door of SEMA, there's the main stage and I walk over there and I'm like standing there. And next thing I know, I look over and your dad's standing there and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? You know, the, the, the night or two before we were playing spades at Jesse's kind of after party to honor her. Right. Oh, yeah. And he taught me how to play spades and I look over and then it's your sister and then you walk up and you go up on stage and I'm like, oh, well, I'll sit and watch this. After you're all done, you or Teresa are like, hey, do you mind coming and just getting some pictures? Because you just needed someone to take some pictures of you ladies with the trucks that you brought there that was on the Ford stage because you had these awards. You just wanted to get some pictures. Like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I follow you ladies over there. (laughs) You get your awards and I start getting ready to take the pictures. I have my phone. Teresa gave me her phone and I'm watching this start to unfold. (laughs) So I start recording and I'm like, I got to record this. And if you guys want me to delete it, I will. But at least my big thing, even when I was a little girl, Sarah, when I say little middle school, high school, I would record my friends like video. I just loved it for some reason. I loved doing it. I was always the one capturing it. And it's hilarious to watch that shit now. It's ridiculous. (laughs) 
So I started recording and next thing I know, do you want to share this next part? Because I'm watching this and like my jaw just drops and I'm like, are you serious? Is this really happening? (laughs) And I look over and one of you, I can't remember. I'd have to, it's on video. It's on social media where people can share it. And I think even Teresa reshared it at some point (laughs) because you ladies, (laughs) you had four awards. Oh, three. It was three awards. It was three. Yeah. But you couldn't like hold them. Like it was like awkward, you know, because I think one of them, maybe two of them, the award was an actual like car. It almost seemed like a model of a car, but it was like metal, right? Yeah. That was the Ford Design Award that we won for the Bronco this year. So it was like a little Bronco on top of like a pile of rocks. And then my sister... On a, like a wooden platform thing, right? Uh, yeah, on a wooden platform. <laughs> and it's like at an angle. And then I have like a plaque style mm-hmm. one that's like larger. And then my sister has like this like crystal one, but it's like super heavy. Yeah, really heavy. <laughs> and we we're trying to hold all of them together. And even the Bronco one had weight to it. Yeah. It had some weight to it. So I'm getting ready to take a picture. I have both hands, one getting ready to take a picture, one doing video. And I turned because someone was walking behind me because we're on the Ford stage. So there's still SEMA people walking around looking at stuff, right? (laughs) And I turned for two seconds and I'm still recording and I just hear this crash. (laughs) I look back and all I see is the little Ford Bronco. I can't remember if it was you or maybe it was the one in the middle. Like you guys were both trying to hold it. It fell on the ground and all I see are these four tires from the little Ford Bronco like rolling in different directions. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) And then they scattered i'm like what is going on here and like it felt like an eternity but i was like frozen and i'm like did that just happen like and then you both are like trying to like you're crawling around on the stage trying to collect these little wheels (laughs) you guys are trying to put them back on the bronco and they fall off and then then you guys gave up with trying to stand so you sat down so then you sit down and then you drop your award <laughs> like how is this what is going on and by this time you guys like the ship has left <laughs> you're like i give up you guys are just laughing and you guys had such a great sense of humor about all of it because some people that would like ruin their day you know what I mean? I mean, it was pretty funny to see these little tires like going through people's like feet as they're walking through the crawl. And you two ladies, being the absolute class acts that you are, took it in stride, was cracking up. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious. It was awesome. And then watching you guys crawl around on the floor trying to grab them. <laughs> I was cracking up. But part of me is like, should I be laughing? I'm like, just froze. And I'm like waiting to see how you guys react before I react. And then when I saw you guys laugh, and I'm like, this is freaking hilarious. man. <laughs> and then Tree said she went up right after that was when they did the awards ceremony and made the announcements. So Teresa had to take it up and she was trying to hold the tires on it and so they wouldn't fall off again. I'm like, oh my God, this is too much. Oh my gosh. It was hilarious. I'm glad we got it on video. Right? Totally. At the actual banquet when I received my award, 
It was so funny because on a lot of photos, if you look, my award's upside down and nobody told me <laughs> that it was upside down. <laughs> All my photos, I'm like holding it and it's upside down. <laughs> And I was like, well, I could read it. Like, okay. <laughs> like it looked perfect to me. It looked perfect to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is awesome. Yeah. I'm going to tell you an observation that I had when I hung out with you ladies last year is I definitely picked up the design piece from Teresa. The level of detail and when I had the opportunity of writing with her, what the hell is it called? The when SEMA's done and you drive out the oh yeah the vehicles. She was nice enough to let me ride shotgun in that what is that called? Ignite. SEMA Ignite. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, Isn't that what it is at the very end? Yeah. So it's SEMA Ignited and it's like the SEMA parade to SEMA Ignited. Yeah. Yep. And her level of detail around the colors, the stitching, I mean, it's remarkable. But what I had the opportunity to pick up from you, Sarah, is your business mind. Now you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but you downplayed it, but I knew I was going to come back to it. So I let you downplay it a little bit because I knew I was going to drag it out of you anyway. But you alluded to it, and what kind of tips off to this is you made the comment around you're fascinated with patterns. Yeah. And that's the whole marketing and business analytics side of things that what I find a lot of people in this industry is that they are so good at their craft, fill in the blank of whatever that is, welding, painting, doesn't matter, right? That is a very different skill set than business acumen. And what I picked up immediately from you is your business mind. And it is pretty amazing. (laughs) And I don't even think you know how amazing your business mind is. The fact that you constantly are out there trying to expand and grow and build your business knowledge, but it's a different skill set, but such a critical skill set to build wealth and go to that next level. And I don't know if you noticed, but I was picking your brain constantly around not anything specific per se. There were some things that we talked about, but it was more about understanding the way you think that fascinated me the most. And the way you think about things and the way you process things and sequence things is just remarkable. And that's your superpower. It really is, Sarah. Like the way you think about things from a business perspective in this industry is unlike any I've seen. And I've seen and had the opportunity to work with some brilliant business minds in this industry. And you are right there with them. I hope you know you're right there with them, though. It's funny because I don't think I've ever really thought of myself as that business mindset. I just do stuff, I guess. I don't know. Well, that makes (laughs) it that much more remarkable. (laughs) But that's my point. That's just who you are and what you do, right? Other people have to learn it. It's just part of who you are in the way that you think and process and do things. And that's what I was alluding to earlier when I'm like, the way that both you and Teresa leverage your zone of geniuses in different ways in how they can work together, right? If you have too many chiefs in a particular area, that's not a great thing. It's hard to move forward, right? Right, exactly. Now you can have one business and have chiefs in different verticals of expertise and it works really well. That's one of the keys there. I'm excited to watch 
what's next in your journey and how you take that business knowledge and business acumen that you have and see what you do with it. That's what I'm excited to watch and observe, maybe even be a little part of in some way. But I really hope you spend some time even expanding that because your marketing, your business mind, especially around sponsorship and understanding how all of that works in the networking. Mm. I mean, top notch, Sarah. I haven't met too many people that really get it like you do. I mean, you're brilliant with it. Absolutely brilliant. Which is um, funny because lately I've been a little bit more passionate about doing like events or helping with things. And I noticed that I actually been helping a lot of other small companies that are starting because they're always like, I need help with doing setups or doing this, but I've done it for so long. So they're out there trying to do event setups or learning how to market or move with other companies. And so I've actually been kind of helping with a couple of small companies to be like, oh, you guys should all get together and do this event together because you're all trying to do it. So I've been helping a little bit more with like consulting or like even helping with those kind of events. And I've actually liked that a lot more because I've been doing it volunteering wise with SEMA for a really long time. And now I'm actually getting people asking me to help them with it outside of it. I just haven't learned how to make that into money yet, but that's been really recent. So now I'm actually like thinking about going more into that and helping people know like what those little formulas are because I mean, I've been doing this for you know 20s, seven years, maybe something years, <laughs> and seeing it on both sides now with either the retails, um, doing it with events. I've always done lots of events and then with manufacturing on our Baja Forge side. So now I feel like I have a little bit more understanding how all of it kind of works together. I mean, you are doing it as a teenager. You just didn't know what it was called. Think about what you did with your parents. That's what fascinates me with every woman's journey is that Sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. You know what I mean? Think about it. Just in this conversation, Sarah, you shared all those nuggets already that you've been doing for years. Mm -hmm. Now it's just monetizing your knowledge and people will pay for speed. The people who can't pay for speed per se, if it's a product or service you can believe in and that you believe in, then it's called revenue generation or product sales, profit sharing, revenue sharing, where they don't have to pay out of pocket for something, they just share in the product sales, right? And you get enough of those under your belt. Now you have passive income coming in from multiple other companies that you don't have to manage from an operation standpoint. Right. Well, I noticed a lot in our companies that we've had is that there were so many times where I'm like, I know I'm just missing one piece. Like I could be super successful at this, but I'm missing one piece. And then it would be like, later on down the road, someone would be like, oh, oh, you just have to do this. And I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I know that like a year ago? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from with a lot of like, especially women that are trying to get into this industry. Well, everybody trying to get into the industry, right? Like you're trying so hard to do so many different things and you keep spreading yourself so thin. and Someone trying to help you to say, well, I don't know if all women are like this, but I'm very much like this where I see like, okay, I need to do all of these things to be successful. But sometimes you need to like, okay, I need to do this thing first (laughs) to do this, to do this, then to get to there, right? Otherwise, it's just super overwhelming. And what you just described, Sarah, 
that's the secret sauce right there. What you just described is sequencing, right? Right. The thing with like no success, medium success, and mega success, no success is, I mean, (laughs) just look around, you know, start something and fizzle out. Medium success is you're profitable, but instead of working for someone else, you go to a job. Medium success is you just own your job, but it's still a job, right? It's not creating real wealth for you. The mega success right there is where the sequencing comes in. And very few people get the sequencing right fast enough before their company ends up just not making it, right? You got to have a mentor. You do. Sports has it. They're called coaches, right? The most successful business people have coaches and call it consulting, coaching. I don't know. Call it whatever you want. But if you want to go to that level, there's no way around it. You can go through the trial and error, but you may not be able to pay for or have enough time in order to figure it out. So you do an investment in the front end. Yes. Yes. So actually there's two kind of different things. So there's coaches out there that you can actually hire to help you coach through your business. And it's always really good that if you have anyone that's like a coach, it's nobody that you know. They are pricier. I've done them before. Those are people that you let them know what your goals are and things you want to accomplish. And then they help keep you accountable. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, where are you at? How are you getting there? Where is this? You know, those kind of coaches are fantastic, but it has to be someone you don't know when it's that kind of an accountability coach because if you have someone that's on you constantly going why haven't you done this yet and it's like a family member you're like I don't want to talk to you more (laughs) yeah it just doesn't work I totally agree with you oh man yeah but mentorship is huge to me and like SBN or SEMA side for me like that's where I've always gotten the most mentors on my side because they're women that have already been in the business in automotive they've gone through it And when you're struggling through a lot of the little life stuff, the parts where you're, like you're saying, the, do you want to give up? Those are the times that I'm having a conversation with someone that's a mentor that I can call as a friend and be like, dude, I'm having a hard time right now. And I sit on the phone with them for an hour and they talk me through like what they've gone through or what they had. And it's a different emotional conversation. It is. And them helping us say like, oh, okay, well, I've done actually this. And, you know, so that's the one thing I think that I find great about SBN. And we've actually tried putting that into more of an action this year. And next year it should be even better. We do want that mentor program ship because there's so many great women or people in the industry most of my mentors in the industry were men when I was younger. Mm-hmm. When I got older, now I have women mentor in the industry. And it was great to actually have a male mentor and a woman mentor. They brought two very, very different perspectives to situations that I was in. Men are very like cut and dry sometimes about stuff. Like, nope, you just need to do it like this. Like one of them, he was very successful, had multiple businesses. He would always tell us about different investments or no, that's going to happen like this. He was really good at telling us like the process, the process of things and I could handle that. Like the tactics, very tactical. The tactics. Yeah. Yeah. And that part was great, you know? And then some of the women that I have in the industry that are my mentors, they were a lot of having to deal with situations sometimes where, you know, a lot of people ask me, like the main question everyone asks and is always like, how is it to be a woman in the automotive industry? Well, 
when I first got in the automotive industry, I never knew I was a woman in the automotive industry because it was never, ever brought up. Like my parents never taught us that we were a minority in the industry. It was just, we were in the industry. I never felt like- Well, even in your bubble, Sarah, I mean, think about it. If I think of your family business, it's your mom, you and your sister and your dad. Your dad was the minority. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, when you look at your bubble, right? Yeah, totally. And like my mom worked on cars all the time with my dad and it wasn't because she was passionate about cars. She knew cars needed to get done to provide for the family. And my dad was the one that was the passionate one about automotive. Yeah. So it's like my mom was out there sanding cars and washing and detailing them and doing all the office work as well. But it was always a team effort. We would all work together to get the end conclusion. And going to SEMA, it was like, yeah, at first, I guess we were always there. And it was always like we were Louie's daughters and Louie's daughters. But when we started building this stuff ourselves, and we were still providing cars for the SEMA show floor, you know, it was like, we probably did get people saying things to us. I guess I just always brushed it off and I was always just like, whatever that guy's just, it would be either me thinking that person just isn't educated or he just doesn't know. And I would never bring it as like insulting if someone was like, wait, you built this car. I was like, Oh yeah, I built this car. Like, Oh, you know, and like walk over and start talking about it. I would get it all the time at like when I ran like expos and going out to public things, like people would ask, suspension questions and I'd be the one answering the questions, but they would always still be talking to the guy next to me and I would just keep talking. It would actually bug the guys that were with me more than it would bother me. And a lot of times they'd be like, doesn't that bother you? And I was like, well, whatever. Like he got his answer. As long as he buys the parts, I don't really care. Like (laughs) (laughs) who really wins then? (laughs) It's like, uh, he can sit stare at you and I'll give him the information. But at the end of the day, it ends up in my company's bank account. So whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he can look at whoever he wants. <laughs> yeah. I guess it just never mattered to me. I didn't need that person's approval to do what I was doing. It just, I didn't care. Later on, it became, I think more like when social media came around, it started becoming more popular and popular about like, oh, you're a woman in automotive. Oh, you're a woman in a man's industry. And I was like, I think someone first asked me that I was kind of like, well, no, I'm just a person in the industry. It should be that simple, shouldn't it? Yeah. And I was like, when we build stuff, like nobody knows the difference between who built this car sitting there, if it was a guy or a girl. It's true. And that's like one of the things like, you know, Jesse used to say too, like the race car doesn't know if it's a guy or a girl sitting behind the steering wheel yeah. or at the gas pedal. Like they don't know. Yeah. People don't know once you put the helmet on. I've never been bothered about being a woman in the industry. Now I'm encouraging more like, I'm still not that person where I'm like, oh, women in the industry, but I'm very much like, I want to empower women to join this industry and be a part of it. And I don't want anybody ever to be discouraged about getting in what they are passionate about and what they love because they feel like they don't belong there. Yeah, That's the part that I'm passionate about. Not the fact that I want to like, you know, yeah, I guess I want to make it a difference, but I want people to know that guy or girl, whoever, like you're welcome here. And I want you to know you can be just as successful and don't put the fact that you're a woman or young or whatever it is as a limitation on yourself to start what you want to do. Even if you're older, I understand like the whole minority thing of being like, Oh, I am this, but I want to, break that part where it's like, I just want to encourage people to do what they want to do and what they love. And I think we talked about a lot of that 
during SEMA too. Yeah. If you love it, then go do it. Yep. But if you don't love it, then don't go do it, period. Yep. Sometimes we don't need to overcomplicate things. And I think this may be a perfect time to launch into the red line round. Okay. Because I think these questions are going to help further explain what you're describing right now. And what the red line round is just five rapid fire questions, no right or wrong answer to them. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Okay. Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> so much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, who or what has been your inspiration in this industry? Um, my parents. That's awesome. And we heard it, but mom and dad's name? Oh, uh, Louie and Jerry Morrison. Yay. I only got to meet Jerry in passing. Oh. Jerry's your mom. Yeah. I hope I get to meet her in person, but she may not be coming to SEMA this year. Is that correct? She will not. I know she came last year because both you and your sister were receiving awards last year. So that was an exception. Yeah. Maybe I'll be driving through at some point in your state and I stop by and we all have cocktails together. Yes. <laughs> that would be awesome. Sarah, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you feel stuck? I go to my mentors or women or people in the industry. Now, this fascinates me because 95, 98% of the people that answer that question is YouTube. Oh. And I always love when I hear something different. Why do you go there first? Because uh, you're going to get more real and raw answers and they attain exactly to what you're going through because they're in the same industry where YouTube is broader. And sorry, I know this is a rapid question, but one of the things like I was telling you patterns, when I listen to podcasts, YouTube videos, things like that, I pull what I call like the common denominator or what the message is from all of those. And then I kind of circle back onto, okay, all these people are talking about, this is what helped them. And then there's usually one or a couple of key things to each one of those podcasts or interviews that you can pull together and say, okay, this is the actual core of what you're trying to get because otherwise you're getting a whole bunch of answers, right? So that's just a lot of time. So when I'm talking to someone that personally knows me, knows who I am and what I'm capable of or not capable of, and then them giving me their answers on what they did, to me, I think that it's just, it's easier to take that advice from them because they it's faster. It's like faster. Right. Rather than weeding through the white noise. Yeah. I love it. What excites you most about what you do? Being around people and outdoors. <laughs> and outdoors. Yeah. It seems to make sense. Off-roading vehicles and outdoors. That makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> you just marry the two together. Yeah. This is not one of the five, but it triggered it. You've talked a lot about mentoring, Sarah. Is there one instance or person or moment where, I don't know, it kind of gave you the feels and like where it's like, man, this is why I love it. Was there a moment ever where you're mentoring someone and you saw the light bulb go off and then not only did it go off, they went out and you like see it. Has that happened yet? Yeah, I think, I mean, I have definitely have talked to a lot of people. I don't know if it's ever the words or the conversation I specifically had with somebody that actually made them go out and do something or make a change. But I like to think that giving advice to people like you do, you see it when you're talking to people that go, Oh my gosh, like, okay, that makes sense. But I don't know, I guess I, 
being able to talk through with anybody about something because it's always easier to talk through something with somebody else because in your head you have like this is my story and then when you're talking to someone else and they start bringing in other aspects or details and you're like oh shit I didn't even think about that or oh yeah you're right or okay so no I don't know if I've ever had like one where like I've helped be a mentor to somebody that's actually clicked for them or been there for them a lot of people that say like that they enjoy having conversations with me about this kind of stuff. Yeah. I guess like the guy that I'm dating right now, like me and him talk about a lot of stuff because he owns a company too. And it's fascinating to see how we're so different, but we probably have some of the best moments that click for us when we're talking about stuff. So yeah, that's awesome. What's a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck or discouraged? Personal habit. A personal habit when I'm stuck is to walk away from the situation. For me, like I said, I like nature. So for me, going out off-roading or go for a walk or somewhere that inspires me that I love so that I can come back or a lot is like being able to talk to someone about it. But most of the time, you just have to step away from the project. And I try to put myself in a place of where I like to go that helps calm me down. I love it. Right? <laughs> And finally, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in this industry? Uh, my advice would be definitely reach out to other people in the industry. If you need resources, like I'm on social media, there's lots of women that are. SBN is there or SEMA itself, not even just SBN. There's If there's one of the councils or networks that falls into what you're doing, I mean, you don't have to sit and volunteer on those, but you can definitely be a part of them. I say going to networks, just meeting other people is huge. And if there's something you really, really want to do, go out and do it. Find out from one of us or someone and just get some advice. But I say get advice from somebody that's in the industry, because if you get advice for people that aren't in the industry, they don't understand it. And they are not going to support it all the time because they don't know. So I always say go to somebody that's in the industry of where you want to or in the segment of where you want to break out. I think that's sound advice. Where and how can people connect with you? Well, my uh, company website is lge-cts.com or you can find me on social media and 1970budster or Sarah Morrison on Facebook. But Anytime, reach out to me, send me messages, whatever. If I don't go back to you right away, I, it's usually because I'm either off grid, but once I do have the reception, I'm always back. Uh, but I love it. People reach out. If I can't help you, I'll definitely find somebody that I think would be a good fit to help you. Sarah, thank you so much for being willing to be in the driver's seat on the Femcanic Garage podcast. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun and I'm really excited that you're out here doing your podcast. It's awesome. I'm Sarah Morrison, co-owner of LGE CTS Motorsports and Baja Forge, and I'm a Femkin. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website at femcanic.com for swag and the links to the resources shared during this episode. If you want to help grow this community, subscribe, rate, and review. And most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. 
This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?